Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. Uh, my name is Muriwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into a conversation around uh, probably one of uh, the biggest issues in the economy uh, that has been uh, dealing many blows to, to, to organizations, to companies, to consumers um, as a whole, and that is uh, interest rates. And uh, it is going to be an interesting discussion discussion because this week um, you know that's uh, that's when uh, we have uh, you know uh, expected and received um, an interest rate decision um, a lot of the time you, uh, before and after these things uh, you're always grappling with should it be going up should it be going down should it have stayed the same but instead of that uh, you know because uh, that part you know it is what it is but what we're saying is on the ground what what does it um, what does it um, help to impact uh, the no more ordinary everyday South African so for today we are joined by uh, you know uh, the continent's largest bank uh, and uh, you know one of the big household names in the local scene uh, that is Standard Bank and we are joined by Tabani Ndwandwe who is the chief risk officer over at Standard Bank South Africa to give us some insight into how rising interest rates directly affect um, consumer finances because the one thing that is true, you know, today we look at some of these things as a static moment of, oh, things went up by 25 basis points, oh, they came down by X amount, but over the last two or so years, things have gone up by a huge amount. Um, I believe, you know, close to close to 500 basis points, which is uh, quite steep if you are to think of your life. And uh, hopefully Tabani can crystallize in our minds what that actually means for us and our pockets. So Tabani, greetings to you today. Greetings, Matiwa. Thanks for having me. Really a great honor and a privilege. Thank you. Now, at uh, Standard Bank, uh, you are the chief risk officer. What does that actually mean and entail? Uh, because one can imagine that in, uh, in, in the universe of financial services and especially banking, uh, risk is probably the name of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, in banking, I mean, the big thing that we do is we take deposits and we use those deposits to borrow them out to, uh, to consumers, companies, so that the economy grows. But part of that comes with many risks, whether it's fraudsters trying to defraud our customers, whether it's the customers that can't pay and we have to assist those customers. So a big chunk of my job is just making sure that the company stays stable. We protect the company from uh, all the wrong issues that can happen, including the economy, negative impact, as well as the fraud that could happen and market risks, et cetera, et cetera. So it's quite a a lot of work that I try and do to just stabilize the bank. Uh, one can imagine the responsibility that is placed on your shoulders um, and the number of different factors that you're probably looking at and keeping uh, track of on a daily basis. When it comes specifically to interest rates, borrowing costs, uh, you know, costs of lending, whatever term we want to attach to that, how how does how do you guys frame it you know in your team uh because i can imagine that you know within the within the universe of a bank interest rates are an opportunity and a risk all at the same time absolutely <laughs> you can make money from them or you can lose money from them 
No, in, in, in truth, there's a sweet spot, Mutiwa. So initially, when interest rates go up uh, and customers can afford them, you might get a bit of what you call endowment. And endowment, in essence, is just the difference between the interest that we charge and the, and the cost of funding, in essence, that you get in the terms of um, interest rate hikes. Some, and the same happens in the, when the interest rates go down, we do get a bit of that difference, and it's negative in that way. The truth, though, is that it's always short-lived. Because what tends to happen is in the in the first few months, customers are handling their installments with a higher interest rate, and then you start seeing customers missing their payments. And when they start missing their payments, we then have to, uh, in our income statement, take some losses and hold some impairments. And as a result of that, we start seeing pressure on our income statements. And then you'll see most banks have come out uh, in the last cycle announcing in, in that in their sense, that they're going to see pressure on their income statements because of the losses we see. And that's just the, the reality. And so as a bank, we then have to decide how we help and handle that situation and help the customers. And in the past, Mudua, there was an approach that we always adopted many, many years ago, which was if a customer, if the interest rate go up, we set up our collections environment so that we can push more collections and call more customers and demand more payments. But actually what we've learned over the last few years is that the reality of that is that when customers don't have money, you can phone them as much as you like. You're going to have to find alternative solutions to assist customers. And so our mindset has shifted to more assistance. And I think COVID was also useful in just retraining and refocusing us as banks, by the way, not just Standard Bank, but as banks in refocusing on assisting in times of trouble like this. And that's that's been one of the biggest shifts that we've seen in the last few few years. Yeah. All right. Um, so there is a lot, you know, going on, like you said, um, you guys are now thinking about, um, you know, customers' ability to pay. Um, you are now thinking about when you do put that money out um, into the market, does it come back? Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, on a practical level, what, uh, yeah, how does it, uh, does it come back? Maybe you could contextualize for us, you know, being such a large financial institution, what the hiking cycle over the last two years has done, right, to risk. Like I said at the beginning, one can imagine opportunity on one side, you know, to be making more money on the money that you do lend out. But there is a threat that, uh, like you just said, now so many people might, what's the word I'm looking for? That missing payment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what does, what does, uh, what does uh, you know, 475 basis points do? Um, you know, um, for, for for consumer pockets uh, in the aggregate. You know, Madhu, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and break it down in a simple in a simple way of just let's take a bond repayment of twenty thousand rand. I like I like using a round number like twenty thousand rands. If your bond was twenty thousand rands in October twenty twenty one, today your bond is roughly twenty eight thousand. Wow. So, so if you were paying 20,000 20, in October 2021, now you are paying 28,000. So that means a customer or a consumer has had to find 8,000 rands for their bond in the last two years or so. In fact, it's less than two years if you actually count it because the, the hiking cycle started around about November 2021. So less than actually full two years. And so you can imagine that would mean your salary has to catch up with that 8,000 rands. But that's not all. Let's say at the same time, we had a car installment of 10,000 rands. 
we are talking roughly, roughly another sort of between 13% to 15% hike, depending on the structure of the installments that you've got in your car, so how long is your term, etc. So again, let's say you had a 10,000 rands installment in your car. So we, we now expect another 1,500 from you. So that's 11,500. So altogether, your total expenses in terms of repayment of the bond as well as your car has gone up by 9,500. That is on a salary, whatever the salary was, and it may have grown by, you know, 6%, 5% your salary. So to catch up with that has been very difficult for many consumers. And Medewa, at the same time, there are a couple of things that have happened in the economy that nobody talks about. One, we have seen rates and taxes go up. We have seen electricity go up uh, quite a bit. In fact, we, we've seen double-digit electricity growth. Rates and taxes has been home revaluation as well as rates and taxes going up, so quite an, an expensive item. But another expensive item in this is the issue of load shedding. And load shedding, people say, but load shedding shouldn't cost people more. But when it's load shedding, what do you do to feed your family? Well, you buy takeaways or you choose to put in solar. And when you put solar or generators or whatever, that costs you money. That means that you are now paying more for the solar that you put in as an extra installment in your life. And then there's normal food inflation that's been going up as well at the same time. So all of these factors combined, you know, mean that consumers are just struggling to afford to meet their obligations as a whole. And we've seen that happening in the system and we've seen more customers either digging into their savings or starting to miss their payments or not paying their full installments uh, overall. And that's been the reality. And you can't, you know, with the context I've painted, you can't quite blame the consumers for being where they are. And that's really why I keep saying you have to start thinking about how do you assist? How do you help those consumers stretch the rent? And, and that's the reality that you're dealing with here. I'm about to ask you a chicken versus an egg uh, type of question. But before that, I like the fact that you assume that people's salaries are going up by, you know, five or six percent, uh, because I think the reality, <laughs> many people would be saying, yeah, I really wish that I was even getting some type of uh, uh, a, a salary increase. So uh, the example that she gives, you know, it is quite concrete to say that, um interest rates are rising faster than people's incomes you know are typically able to 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 come in and then cover you know some of the gaps uh that are arising henceforth and uh the chicken versus an egg question that i'm asking is now to say very motivated to, to to disturb you but just just on that point yes because we run a lot of transactional data with customers so in essence people bank with us we see flows we see salaries we have seen that an average from that sort of period, we've seen an average growth of salaries of just around 6%. But it's a growth over a one and a half year period. So we've seen an average, which means, of course, with an average, there's one or two people on who are outliers who always make mm-hmm. more than the six, and then there's many who are sitting <laughs> on the four. So we've yeah. seen some of that growth, but that excludes the people who've lost their incomes. And that's mm-hmm. another challenge that we're coming from. And I, I always say to, to people, what we don't understand is that in COVID times, many people who've kept their jobs found that their spouses lost their incomes or, vice versa, or something, or they've lost their spouse actually because COVID you know, took lives as well, not just livelihoods. So it's a very tricky thing is that you see this increase in salary, but meanwhile, what you don't see on the other side is somebody has lost their you know, spouse or have lost the salary of a spouse, etc. And that's another 
unquantified amount that we're still working on. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it is, you know, quite a stock reality. And at least um, we're understanding. I th- that's the best thing about talking to someone like you who can give us some of those data points, um, you know, to help us to understand and to crystallize, um, you know, what's actually happening, uh, what's actually happening on the ground. Now, coming back to chicken versus an egg is simply to say, um, who's affected the most, right? Because there are many different uh economic players in any economy there's you know your public sector private sector you've got your consumers um and right now your focus um you know throughout today's discussion you've been talking quite a bit about how do we assist the consumer how do you assist the consumer and i guess on your side am i am i correct in assuming that for you guys you see helping the consumer as being I guess, and as as being the leader, you know, something that will help to drive, you know, um, economic activity, whether that's spending, that type of thing, uh, because others might say, you know, how do we assist businesses to 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 cope with this? So I guess the question is just more around the rationale of choosing to go after the consumer in terms of uh, some of that assistance when we're looking broadly at the economy. Oh, of course, we, we help a wide spectrum of our customers and, and, and we help our businesses quite a bit. And it's an, it's an important part. So, for example, in our businesses, the key thing that you have to help them with is the impact of load shedding. That's the first thing we've had to help businesses. In fact, we've been helping putting solar for many of our funding solar you know, opportunities, finding the solar suppliers for those businesses, etc. Because if you don't help the businesses, right, you don't get the economic activity that you need, you don't get employment, then you actually end up affecting the consumer from a retrenchment perspective. So we definitely have been helping the, the, the businesses. And some of the businesses have had to, we've had to sort of give them restructures, we've had to make sure that, you know, they we allow them to get some payment holidays so that they can close out on the solar issues and etc. So you have to do many activities to assist the business, particularly, particularly smaller businesses. So if you and if you have a business that's got ten over ten million and below, the ability to handle interest rate rises and to handle all the low shading issues is, is is largely minimized. It's it's pretty small. So your ability to maneuver is small. So we have to help those businesses a bit more and support them quite more. Because again, closing down a business, you know, back in the days, uh, we would just go and liquidate a business. You know, you say, we're going to liquidate. Well, when you liquidate, the downstream impact is that those people who were working for that business have got mortgages with you, they've got vehicle finance with you, et cetera, et cetera. So we are trying to balance that. But also, we have a true belief, and I, I keep saying it in, internally, and I'm sharing it now externally, but internally I keep saying this, this too shall pass. And if you believe that this is going to pass and this period we're in is going to pass, the question is, will your, will your customers think you were there for them and supported them? But could you do some things that help the economy? Because banks play a very critical role in creating economic activity by putting liquidity in the system. So if you put liquidity in the system, which is mean we fund the markets, we put money in the system, we make sure, you know, in function, consumers can buy to your point because we need them to have uh, purchasing power. All of those things banks can create. And if we continue to do that, we can help this economy uh, survive and, and minimize the impact of all these issues we have. So we're definitely supporting a wider spectrum. But the consumer, at the end of the day, you know, when they're still employed, has got these massive 
challenge is that if you don't support them, then they can't buy. They can't help. You know, they can't. They have to sell the properties. If you were to sell properties and at cheap prices today, you will destroy the market. You will destroy the economy. So these are whole host of things we're trying to balance uh, right across. But yeah, we're balancing this. That's why I said it's a chicken and egg. It's very tricky. You have to do it all at once. And you can't try and say, I'm going to do this and then do that. Um, you have to try and balance it all. Yeah, no, we do have to try and balance a lot of things. And uh, yeah, it does sound like the consumer is uh, quite at the heart uh, of trying to fix a, a lot of those issues, you know, albeit um, with assistance to businesses, especially when you're dealing with cost drivers like your your load shedding and that type of thing. I need you to dispel a, I don't know if I can call this a myth, but what you'd think of, uh, you know, as typical thinking. Your, your typical thinking is that um, interest rates are rising or have risen, you know, uh, quite uh, substantially. You gave us quite a good example earlier on of what a 20,000 rand bond now looks like in a, in a period of roughly 20, 20 or so months, um, you know, going up by quite a bit. The logic follows that, you know, in, a, in an environment where you push up interest rates, borrowing activity is meant to be um, constrained, which helps to reduce the money supply, which then helps to, you know, reduce inflation over time. So our question is simply to say, has that actually been the case? Have the rising interest rates actually reduced borrowing activities because you guys are a big lender? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is it is true. Um I mean again, let's take a couple of steps back. I always say I'm glad I'm not in that committee that makes uh, the money policy committee that makes interest rate decisions because the number of things that they they have to toy with um, are interesting. So the first one is they have to deal with the rand strength itself. So sometimes it's not about the consumer um, cost. It's not about whether the consumer can afford, I mean, and do you reduce the borrowing power of the consumer or not? Firstly, if your interest rate is lower than the international markets, you tend to find that the money market moves out. So that's the first thing that they have to sort of manage. And we've seen the rent coming back from over the 20 rents that it went to and it's back in the 18s and sometimes tipping into the 17, upper end of 17 rents. So that's that's been one of the things that we, we've, we've seen as a, as a benefit. But we've also seen a reduction of, of, of customers buying new properties. We've seen customers being reluctant to sell their, new, their homes at this market or to even buy new properties, new cars, etc. So we've seen a definite reduction in spend in consumers. And that's just because if you increase if you increase the amount that a customer is paying on the bond, you're reducing their spend power in a sense. And therefore they can't take on more things and and, and, and attract new things. Mm-hmm. Makes um you know makes a lot of sense. Um two things before we let you go. Firstly um this is something it's an exercise that unfortunately we tend to ask a lot of people um the direction of interest rates um now 
we full disclosure we are recording this on the day <laughs> that uh inter- that uh, that uh interest rate decision is set to come out uh later this afternoon we're recording this on the th- on Thursday the 20th of July and that uh monetary policy committee decision is meant to come out um later in the afternoon so instead of asking a question around will it go up will it go down Keen to understand from uh, whatever modeling you guys are doing, uh, what type of trend is expected, right? Have we reached a lot of people, I think, at the start of 2023, they thought we were at the top of the hiking cycle and that things were either going to come down or we're going to hold steady. So what I'm going to ask is a, uh, a, what do you call this, is a, a trend question. Have we reached that stage where we can now say, okay, fine, let's hold these things uh, firm before things start coming down or because of some of the action that we're seeing in places like the U.S., um, you know, could we possibly keep pushing it up a little bit? Look, it's again, it's a very difficult question to answer, but we have a a position we hold. And our position is that we expect another 25 basis points today, um, and we think that should be the last of the interest rate hikes. With the information that came out yesterday on inflation being now at the 20-month lowest number that we've seen on inflation, so it's come down. But it's not at the level where the MPC is trying to target at about 4.75 or so. So we think that they will still be uncomfortable. That's why we're still pinning down about another 25 basis points. And so it's, you know, they help the inflation get to the targeted point. It's within range now, so within the three to six, but not at the target range, at the target number. And, and so what makes us believe that that's the peak is inflation is coming down. The rand is strengthening. The international markets are starting to slow down their hiking cycle. We do think that Europe may continue to hike a bit. But we think that that's going, the differential is going to be much more minimized. So that means that we can start, um, you know, pausing on the interest rate cycle before it becomes too destructive to the economy. What we think in Standard Bank is that in 2024, particularly in the last quarter of 2024, we should see a start in reduction of interest rates. So we think that we should start seeing some reduction in, in interest rates at that point. So going to remain high for a longer time and then we see some relief at that point the the big thing that we we worry about though is that of course some of the challenges that still exist is there's a lot of geopolitical challenges whether russia if russia were to increase their intensity of the war the impact to the world economy is going to be huge and we've seen some numbers coming out of china and when China is feeling a bit of a pinch, sometimes they, they react in certain ways that can create more inflationary pressure for the un, for the global economy. And if that happens, that may actually create more of a, of pressure for our MPC to start increasing interest rates again, um, and and so forth. So those are the things we're watching for. Of course, that could blow the story. But if everything stays the, in a, in the trend that we've been seeing, we think that we've reached the peak and we should see a reduction towards us. The, the later part of 2024. 
Now, Tobani, I think just a good way to end off today's discussion, you know, just, uh, you know, given your, everything that we've, uh, that we've spoken about, some of the expectations uh, from the bank when it comes to, you know, interest rates. I like the fact that you got quite a bit into some of the geopolitics um, and also some of the, uh, you know, global factors because South Africa is um, quite an open economy and tends to, um, either benefit um, or be disadvantaged by what's happening in the global market. But this moment that we're in and the moment we've been in for the last maybe three or so years is very, it's a very interesting one where, you know, it's one of the rare times in our history, at least economically, where you have economies around the world all going through the same things, Right. We, the rising inflation, rising interest rates, it's not just something that's confined to South Africa. Like almost everyone is uh, going through this right now. So your role as a chief risk officer um, for Standard Bank in South Africa, um, how, how, how are you doing um, compared to maybe some of your comrades in uh, some, of, uh, some of Standard Bank's other operations? Because I'm sure you talk. Um, you know, just around some of the challenges. Are the challenges that you are facing in terms of um, addressing some of these risk issues, you know, bringing the whole conversation back to risk, um, you know, are you facing any unique challenges here in South Africa or can you roughly say that as a group, um, you know, and your, your, your fellow chief risk officers, you guys are all basically facing, you know, the same challenges, uh, you know, across the continent? Oh, that- that's a great question because the beauty of working for an organization like Standard Bank is that you are part of a global, you know, uh, team across the continent. South Africa is so diverse and, uh, you know, it, it's really, really diverse. The different economies look very different. Um, inflation in, in Nigeria at some point was sitting at about 40%. Uh, we've just had that Naira delinking, which has actually created significant volatility on the Naira. Um, you then go to Ghana. Ghana had a major, major crisis last year, uh, and the inflation was skyrocketing. The interest rates were sitting over 30% at some point. So, and then you go to Zimbabwe, you have 100, over 100% interest rates and inflation is, you know, you've got hyperinflation. It's, it's, it's very wide and different um, things are happening in the country. So a lot of our colleagues across the continent are facing similar challenges at different scales. Um, the market in Africa regions is generally different to the South African market in the sense that most Africa regions uh, 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 countries don't do mortgages like we do. Uh, they tend to like to build. They, they, they tend to like to use a loan to build at a time, you know, do stuff at a time. So the implications of an interest rate hiking cycle is less pronounced. They suffer more from the inflationary pressures, more less than from the interest rate cycle. So that's, a, that's, a, that's always an interesting challenge that when I talk to my colleagues that trust the continent they face, that it's not the interest rate that they worry most about, it's just the inflation itself that they really worry about because it's got major consequences for the consumer and the businesses alike. And then government policies, regulations that are kicking in as a result of all of these things. One of the 
world's biggest challenges right now is that all the countries are trying to sort of protect sovereignty and, and, and instead of globalization, we're seeing deglobalization, all of these other issues, and that come with policies that banks have to adapt to, et cetera, and so most of my colleagues are struggling with that. But the one thing that I think is common across the continent is that we're all trying to figure out how to help the consumer. Uh, if everywhere I talk to, everybody's asking me, how do, are you helping consumers? How are you assisting consumers, at least within the Standard Bank Group? How are you helping consumers? What are the solutions? So a lot of the solutions we implement here in South Africa get carried over into other countries. And some of the solutions other countries are implementing, uh, we bring them into South Africa to assist our, cons- our consumers. And that's a big thing. And I, I mean... Um, as as I as I, as, as, I, as I sit here, the biggest thing that I, I stress about is how do you make sure that you protect the consumer's assets in this short term? If you assume this is a thing that's going to last another 12 to 18 months, you then have to make sure that consumers are not finding themselves in a place where they lose valuable assets, right? And they lose the wealth they've been creating for a longest of time because of this difficult period. And so we have to help them uh, protect these things that matter to them. And that's a big thing. And I find that that's a common trend across the globe as well, by the way. So South Africa is going through quite a bit, uh, but, you know, uh, other African countries, you know, are also going through, um, you know, their bit of uh, volatility and turmoil, albeit um, with slightly different factors. We're all doing interest rates. We're all doing inflation. But the way in which those factors um, affect consumer pockets is, um, you know, slightly different as highlighted by uh, Tabani. That was an interesting example, you know, to say that, um, for example, mortgages are not uh, as prevalent, you know, in other countries where, you know, people are building, you know, on a cash basis, you know, over time. And so you're more concerned about what is the cost of bricks? <laughs> yeah, what is the cost of bricks? What is the cost of, you know, cement and then uh, fittings and finishings in a house as opposed to servicing um, a mortgage? Everyone is facing, uh, there's pricing pressure, pressure whether you're on the mortgaging side or in the building side. But, you know, um, it is interesting, you know, how things um, are different on that point of view. So that's been it. It has been a really great discussion. Um, uh, We've learned quite a lot from uh, Tabani just around uh, the realities of interest rates um, in the economy, and especially um, given uh, this hiking cycle that we've been through now. um, We are not in a state where we can say it's done i think that is uh, you know the broad consensus that we can uh, we can agree to uh, but you know going forward um, he does highlight a number of things such as the realities that many south africans have had to face um, such as um, rising servicing of uh, you know certain types of borrowing um, and especially, you know, some of the unexpected expenditure interest rates, you expect them to go up and down. Uh, but in a country like South Africa, um, you've traditionally expected 100% power availability. So it was never factored in. And now this becomes something that you have to think about whether you're borrowing to set up systems in your home or your business, um, you know, whether you are. Uh, that was such a, you know, the real, the real world. If you're, a, if you are, if you have a family and power's out, 
how do you feed your family? If you're on your own, you can wait it out. But if your kids say that they're hungry, you might have to go get takeouts or, you know, make a plan of some sort. And all of that stuff is coming, um, you know, at a huge cost. And then uh, I guess finally, um, you know, one of the big things is um, that... Uh, that focus, that attention that is on the consumer. Uh, because, uh, you know, Shabani is saying that, you know, there's a lot of different players in the economy, uh, but as a bank, they've decided to focus quite a bit of their effort um, on the consumer. There's a lot of F um, assistance that's being given to your businesses, etc. but um, the consumer is quite important in that equation uh, because, you know, you have to be able to stretch the rand, uh, which then touches many different touch points uh, throughout the economy. So it's been great. Uh, thank you so much. We were talking to Tabani Ndwandre, who is the Chief Risk Officer at Standard Bank South Africa. Tabani, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Madhuya. Thanks for having me. And uh, the only parting words I'll just leave you with and the, and the listeners is to everybody who's out there, we understand the difficulties that we are facing. And my only suggestion and my biggest recommendation is don't hide. Don't uh, sit down and just hope it's going to go away. Engage whoever your bank is. Engage your lenders. Talk to them. They ask for assistance up front because many people stay and and hope it goes away. It doesn't. Uh, you need to talk to someone and support each other as families. We need to stay together as a country. We will get through this. We will come out on the other side. Thank you. Thank you so much. Positive parting words. And I really hope, uh, you know, people take that to heart. So that's been it. Thank you so much. Thanks, my brother. Appreciate it. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from myself and the rest of the team it is a good evening good afternoon and good morning